everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Don't Fuck With Ghosts, the podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your Blost sisters. I am Betsy. And I'm Greer. We have a lot to talk about today. I know, we do. We have a lot of catch-up business before we get into our stories. Yes. First and foremost, I'm a little on edge because this morning I woke up and there was a fucking crow on my balcony right up there and it was going, and I was like, Uh what is that? And then I I was like, it looked like there was a huge ass bird on my (laughs) balcony and then it was a fucking crow and I was like, not today, Satan. (laughs) Maybe it was trying to befriend you. I really hope not. Why? You because if, as I'm entering my witchy era, my familiar being a crow. Ah, What's a familiar? A familiar is like a spirit animal and they're there to guide you and like protect you. But crows are very smart and like crafty. So wouldn't yeah. you want a very, like, would you yeah, rather have I a, feel like like a prob- squirrel? Well, kind of. you would. <laughs> <laughs> like a black squirrel. That would be dope. The black squirrels always have the rattiest tails. Well, though. do you remember the black squirrel that would like frequent when I lived still with my parents when we were in grade school and there was that fat black squirrel that would run all over the back deck and we named it Chunky? No. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I loved him. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, yeah, I think crows probably have a bad rap and they're also in our theme song because they're spooky. Yeah. I should probably give them a break, but it was still, you know, a little off-putting because that's the first thing I liked. <laughs> it was a fat crow, crow, crowing, cawing, cawing, cawing <laughs> on my uh, balcony. So anyway, um, but we have big news because today is Bessie's half birthday, which is a huge deal. 27 and a half. 27 and a half. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Greer turns 27 next week. I know. This is why we're good matches because we're exactly on the opposite end of the yeah, calendar. We're six, six months, months apart. apart. <laughs> um, I was, my due date was actually December 7th. So That's crazy. My due date early. was June 13th and then... My mom went into labor early on June 6th, and she really did not want to have me on June 6th because then my birthday would be 6696, and she didn't want to have three sixes in my birth Yeah, day. that would have so, not been fun. Yeah. So June 7th works out well for her. Yes. Yes, indeed. We're also coming down from a very exciting weekend because we, we got to see Paramore on Friday. It was, which was the pinnacle of both so, of our sixth grade selves. Like, it was so incredible. Oh my God. I, I think, I feel like Haley Williams and Paramore for you. Well, not cause I haven't been into Florence as long as you've loved Paramore, but I feel like it's a similar, like you revere Haley Williams so much. Yeah. And like when I saw Florence in September, that was like a spiritual experience. So I feel like this, that must've been like it what was. it was like, like for I was you literally specifically. Like, on the on the few songs that I wasn't screaming the lyrics to and I was like really taking it in, I was like literally like holding my chest and like swaying back and forth <laughs> and thanking the Lord for this moment. <laughs> like it was it was life changing. Yeah. Probably my my new favorite concert. And also that was my first concert since COVID. That's crazy. Yeah. Because my last concert before that was T-Pain 2019. Oh, my God. I mean, go out with <laughs> which, a bang, am I right? Which was also a phenomenal <laughs> concert. Wow. I think, no, Haim was my first concert after COVID. And then Florence. And then, wait, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then Paramore. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I think she has one of the, I was talking to Corey about this. And I was like, I think Haley Williams has one of the best voices in the industry today, but I feel yeah. like that is not widely known. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, like her voice is f- unbelievable. Like she definitely showed off her range when she sings live more than like 
it is in the recording, yeah. you know? So, oh, man. But, like, I always knew, like, especially now when I'm older and my voice has a lower register than it did when I was younger and screaming these songs, like, Misery Business is a very high register. And and so is Decode. Parts of Decode of, is like tough. All of her sing. old stuff is very high register. Um, and that's, I think, when she was showing more of her range was in those those songs and now like their sound has changed a little bit more um but like still great music it was just it was just interesting um but yeah she does have a beautiful voice she's very talented and I loved every second of it it was really phenomenal and it was also great for me personally because she sang they sang decode Mm -hmm. which as hopefully many of you know decode is on the pair not the paramore the twilight soundtrack (sighs) And I had last week got back from a trip to Seattle and Olympic National Park. um, And I went to Forks, Washington, which was quite the experience. (laughs) Forks itself is like small and, you know, not much going on, which is the point. It's like why she chose Forks for the books. Um, But Twilight definitely is like their industry in Forks. And it was just, it was so cool to go there. We saw the Swan House. We saw Bella's truck, like the info center for Forks, Washington, like for the town was just like a Twilight, like explosion of, they had like the cardboard cutouts. They sold so much merchandise. The lady at the desk was like 65, 70 years old and like the most rabid Twilight fan you've ever met in your whole life. (laughs) I wonder how Stephanie Meyer like landed on Forks. When she, she was writing them. I the woman at the desk was explaining to these other girls in front of me and um in the store how she landed on it, but I was too busy like looking around at everything else because it was so overwhelming that I didn't hear what she said. Yeah. But I should look it up because I'd be curious to know as well. Because it's yeah. a, it's a very random town. It is. Um <laughs> very small. But small it was town. it was cool because driving through if you're going to do like the perimeter of olympic national park you have to drive through forks so it was cool because we were driving and then we got to drive through forks and then we went to la push which is like the on the beach on the reservation where like jacob and his brothers live that was like their territory their territory okay um and that but that beach was beautiful it was like foggy and super dramatic with these huge rock formations and like just felt very eerie and moody um and we listened of course to the twilight soundtrack when we were driving through that area and it just it's so fucking good that soundtrack (laughs) is i think in like the last year i started listening to the twilight soundtrack like even more than i normally do because multiple songs including decode were on my spotify wrapped like number, yeah like top 10 it's, it's <laughs> so good i haven't really listened much to the other like new moon etc the other well, movie soundtracks. Rosalind by bonnie Vare. it's uh it's in a lot of like those new, oh, moody pacific yes, northwest yes. videos i know yeah. exactly which one you're talking about now yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah so that was it was honestly felt like i was making it like Corey was like you in the twilight or in the forks washington info center which was basically a twilight gift shop he was like that was the happiest i'd seen you in months and i think it was just like it felt to me like a celebration of girlhood and like loving these things when you're young and being able to enjoy them as an adult yeah like well there's something to be said about nostalgia which i think is why so many people are marketing off of it these days is because it just takes us back to simpler times exactly so it was, you know, I don't need to go back to Forks, but it was like for that one afternoon, it was really, really fun. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great. 
Everyone mm. should go to the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was there in January and I loved it. Isn't so that so much. crazy that we both went to Seattle within like four months, five months of each other? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Yeah. When are you going to go to Ecuador? <laughs> Everybody and their mother is going to Ecuador. <laughs> when you went to Ecuador, I had two or three other friends going within like the same yeah, month. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. It was really random. Yeah, that is random. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why either. But I think it is it's, like, a great place to go mm-hmm. if you're going to go anywhere in South America. Highly recommend. Um, but yeah, before we get into our story, I, I did have one little update because I was reading the news the other day and NASA is releasing their first official report on UFOs this July. What? Wait, I thought they already released information about so, UFOs or did they just say they exist and then they kind of never... I think like those videos came out, but yeah. that was like from the Pentagon, right? Mm. This is NASA. <laughs> I just spilled water all over her. I was so excited. She was guzzling her water and just <laughs> spilled everywhere. Oh, man. You're right. That was the Pentagon, not NASA. Yeah. So, NASA. Oh, my God. They're so, releasing it. I wonder are they going to be really long? Are the reports going to be long? Somebody on Instagram <laughs> will summarize them. Yeah. There's right? gonna, there's gotta, somebody needs to make a video of it. Wow. Well, like, that's very exciting. It. But yeah, I'm very excited because. We know that they know more than they're telling us. Oh, yeah. They so, always know more than they tell us. But now I'm like, okay, well, is the fact that they're releasing this mean that they think it's pertinent that we know, which means there's an imminent danger? <laughs> something's Who knows? Gonna, something's going to happen <laughs> very soon. Coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my little update on UFOs because I thought it was exciting. exciting. Yeah, and relevant because our last story exactly. was about UFOs. Exactly. Always got UFOs on the brain. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, should we get into today's story? Yeah. We're doing the same thing that we did for our last couple of episodes where we're going to release one story at a time. Um, So today, keeping in theme with my Pacific Northwest vacation, I am going to be talking about the legend of Bigfoot, which I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That was just me being excited. (laughs) (laughs) Because for how much I'm interested in Bigfoot. I like literally know nothing about the origin of the legend. Yeah, I, I didn't don't, either. I haven't like ever read about like the first sightings or like how it became a thing. So. I didn't really know anything either. So I, it was really cool doing this research. Um, but I got most of my information from for this episode from three sources. I'm just going to read them out. Um, the first is an article called What's the Difference Between Sasquatch and Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> on HowStuffWorks.com oh by God. Nathan Chandler. Um, the second is called Why Bigfoot and the Abominable Snowman Loom Large in the Human Imagination on Smithsonian.com by Colin Dickey. And then I found excerpts online from a book called Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend by Joshua Buse, published in 2009. And that title makes me laugh because obviously they mean legend as in like a legend or like a mythological creature. But yeah. I read it as like, man, what a fucking legend. <laughs> Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend. I mean, I, I mean, could go yeah. both ways, honestly. Um, <laughs> So that's where I got most of my info from was those three sources. And then I like double checked a few things on Wikipedia because Wikipedia is reliable, as we know. I use Wikipedia But it actually time. is, though. That's the thing. I mean, you know, maybe not. I th- but well, I've I think our it- teachers told us not to use Wikipedia before because it was an easy, yeah. you know, way to get information. And they wanted us to dig a little deeper and not be, quote unquote, lazy when in reality, like, it has good information. Yeah. And they just don't think that regular people <laughs> are... Vet, like viable sources, which is just stupid. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Well, now that we've gone over that. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure everyone is familiar with who or what Bigfoot is, but if you're not, um, I'll give you the rundown. So Britannica. Sorry, you said who he is. Like he has a real name. Like his name is Steve or something. <laughs> it's just Steve, He's guys. Moonlighting his Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Bigfoot has feelings. I wanted to humanize him a little bit. It's like when you see monkeys like putting on human clothing oh. or like, you know, acting super human like and yeah. it kind of it feels like uncomfortable because they're at the zoo and you're like, you should be like driving a car because you're so <laughs> you should be you driving so real car. to me. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, Britannica describes Bigfoot as a bipedal primate, which just means a primate that walks on two legs, that is anywhere from six to 15 feet tall. Um, which I didn't know that Bigfoot could be that big. Oh my God. 15 feet is... When I think like really, really tall bipedal primate, I think like of Yetis, just because of Rudolph and how he was towering over all the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, are Yetis, like, in the same class as Big, Bigfoot? I'll get to that. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Sorry. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say on that, but I, I do address I address all the rumors later on. Um, so it's Big Bigfoot, which it's, like, a species, so I'll say Bigfeets. Bigfoots. <laughs> Whatever. Big feet. They're often <laughs> to give off a foul smell and either move silently or emit a high-pitched cry. Wait a minute. So is Bigfoot not just one guy? It's like, it's a species? That's my understanding. What? I'll be extremely embarrassed if someone is listening to this and is like, you're wrong. And I just misinterpreted all of the information that I read. Like, y'all, we don't know anything. We're just, we're <laughs> we, just which doing we, our- We've claimed before and people accuse us of not knowing anything. We don't know. This is literally just us talking about the things we've researched, okay? <laughs> we claim no. We're not experts. Expertise. That's we're, the word I was looking for. <laughs> we're barely qualified to do any of this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that would explain, actually, because I, I had meant to talk about this in the intro, but forgot about how I went on a camping trip, mm-hmm. and it said Bigfoot National Forest in the, the wooded area by our tents. That would explain why there would be potentially a Bigfoot on the East Coast and also a Bigfoot on the West Coast, mm-hmm. because it's not just one guy, unless yeah. there's a portal and he like can jump back and forth. Well, it's interesting you mentioned <gasps> portals, because oh. I'll get to that later. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, Bigfoot is like, it's like a very hairy creature. I didn't mention hairy earlier. I just assumed that people would know. But if you don't, it's a very large, hairy creature. And alleged Bigfoot footprints have been measured to be up to two feet long. So Shit. that's pretty long. Um, and you probably also know Bigfoot by another name, Sasquatch. And the, I hope it's either Salish or Salish. I couldn't find a pronunciation online, but I'm going to say Salish. So the Salish peoples, who are um, an indigenous group who reside in the Pacific Northwest and Vancouver Island, were actually the first people to use the name Sasquatch. Um, the Salish language is an endangered family of 23 different languages, and some of those only have around three or four fluent speakers left, while others have you know barely 2,000 fluent speakers left, which is, you know, 2,000 is more than three or four, but that's still an extremely small number. Um, and most, if not all, of those fluent speakers are older, which leaves the languages in danger of becoming extinct. And like that's not really relevant to my story necessarily, but I know that many native communities are facing the threat of language loss, um, and that plays out every day. So I just wanted to highlight that here as we're talking about where this word Sasquatch comes from. Um, but as I was sailing, saying, the Salish people were the first to use the name Sasquatch, which is derived from their native word, um, 
and again, I couldn't find a pronunciation for this online, but it's spelled S-E apostrophe S-X-A-C. So I'm assuming that's pronounced like Sasak or something, um, which means wild man. And that fits the description of this creature pretty well. So the term Bigfoot was coined in 1958 by a California newspaper columnist named Andrew Gonzoli, who shared the story of a newspaper reader named Jerry Crew, who claimed to have stumbled across gigantic footprints that were pressed deeply into the earth at a construction site in Bluff Creek, California. So again, this was in 1958 when like these footprints started being discovered and reported to the news. So... Jerry Crew, the man who saw the footprints, was described as an earnest and sober individual, like not the type to make up a fantastical story, which I thought was interesting because if you all remember when I was talking about the Loch Ness Monster, all of the people who reported sightings of Nessie were described in a similar way. They were all like doctors or professors or scholarly individuals. Yeah, like scholarly or like really successful professional individuals and like people who wouldn't make up stories. And I feel like that was even the case when we talked about our alien encounters. Like, the mm-hmm. people sharing these experiences are not, like, you know, wackadoodles. Like, they're, <laughs> they're like, typical, normal people that are all right in the head. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was interesting to point out. And newspaper readers were enchanted by the idea of a great, big, mysterious creature in their small part of the country, so they demanded to know more. So the columnist Andrew Gonzoli sent a reporter named Betty Allen out to Bluff Creek, California, where the footprints had been found. And after spending some time at the site, Betty discovered a bounty of stories about the mysterious creature. So I'll just have a bullet point of a few of them here. Um, So 25 of the workers claimed to have seen a similarly large and unexplainable footprint um, pattern at a work site along a different river, and even more similar tracks were found up the coast in an area called Trinidad. So this is interesting to me because this is obviously well before the internet, any kind of social media, cell phones. So yeah. like, if this were to be a hoax, and all of these footprints were found like very close in time to one another, so Ooh. like, I just feel like that wouldn't be enough time for somebody in Bluff Creek to you know spread the news to somebody else in another town way up north like hey do this like prank put these footprints in the sand it just it's like too i think it would be too um the chances of that would be too low for these gigantic footprints to be appearing all over the place and have it all be connected um the summer before a 500 450 pound drum of diesel fuel had gone missing so like gigantic very very hard to lift and the only thing found at the site of its disappearance was the impression that the drum had made in the dusty ground along with a pair of large footprints tracking away so is this insinuating that bigfoot drinks the gasoline or is it the insinuation that he drives a vehicle (laughs) (laughs) bigfoot is licensed to kill no i think it's just that he like he seems to be like I don't know, nefarious and like is stealing these things and kind of, it feels to me like he's sort of leaving traces and almost like he wants to be discovered, but like then, you know, he's he's elusive and hides away. Yeah. Collecting trinkets. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then sometime during the year, four dogs went inexplicably missing from the site. um, And the workers at Bluff Creek blamed Bigfoot. But I was, (laughs) I was like, as I was reading this, it, it does seem like, 
a gigantic, mysterious, you know, hairy creature is a great scapegoat. Like if you're committing crimes at this site, (laughs) you can blame Bigfoot. So like the dog, the dogs, you know, I don't know, but like the 450 pound fuel tank essentially. Mm. And like the footprints appearing all over the place. I don't know. It seems kind of legit to me. So some of the workers at Bluff Creek were very on edge and they would sleep with their like rifles at night and kind of they were packing heat at work because they were so afraid of this creature like coming out of the woods and hurting them. Um, And others at Bluff Creek just dismissed the tales as total nonsense. But either way, journalist Betty Allen shared their stories and along with pictures of the footprints, um, the legend of Bigfoot as we know it today was born. Yeah. So nobody has ever captured a Bigfoot and there hasn't really been much concrete evidence gathered to prove their existence. And by like concrete, I mean like physical, like we have bones or we have, like we captured one. Um, The most famous piece of evidence that we've all probably seen before is a short film um, captured on video in 1967 near Bluff Creek by two men named Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson. So I'm going to show it to you. You've 100% seen this before. It's this footage. Ooh. And I'll put this on Instagram. I mean, to be honest, it just kind of looks like a gorilla. Yeah, it exactly. And gorillas are known to also walk on their um, two legs. Som- yeah. Sometimes. I mean, to Not me, often, to me it kind of looks like a man in a gorilla suit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the time, this like blew people's minds. And um, the two men were playing with a rented video camera when they claimed they spotted a mysterious creature walking just in front of the tree line. So again, I'll share it on Instagram, but in the video, a large creature, like I said, that kind of just looks like a a tall man in a gorilla suit. Um, (laughs) And the video is blurry. The one that I found that I'll share has been like put into color and restored. So it's very clear, but at the time the footage was very blurry and it shows this creature walking from the beachy sand sort of into the forest behind all of this, this big pile of driftwood. And for a split second, the creature turns and looks back at the camera, which created the most iconic Bigfoot image of all time. So it's that picture there. Okay. Which you've seen Mm -hmm. probably hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, And I'll show this on Instagram. But if you just Google Bigfoot, this picture is guaranteed to come up. It's like a black and white picture of the Bigfoot creature kind of turning over its shoulder, looking at the camera. And so from that one video, those two men kind of like, I don't want to say they became famous, but like that video sort of became part of the lore and the image became like, that's like the image of Bigfoot that you'll see on merchandise and posters and t-shirts and stuff like that. It's like a silhouette of that, him walking. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so this is really sort of like the main piece of visual visual evidence of Bigfoot that has been captured to this day that's like that clear. Um, a lot of other videos and pictures that have been captured, you know, really like it could be any other kind of animal in the background or they're very clearly like a hoax um, and totally unbelievable. Um, but you know, this video to me looks too good to be true, but I mean, it was the fifties. Like, I don't know. It does look very like high def for the, 50s. oh, that's, that's cause somebody has restored the people oh, have like restored it and okay, colorized okay, 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 it. Okay. So back the, vi- the original <laughs> video is like very blurry. Okay. Um, <laughs> but a man named David Bacara who owns the expedition Bigfoot, the Sasquatch museum. And there's an exclamation point in there, which is why I said Bigfoot like that, <laughs> um, which is located in Cherry Log, Georgia says that many people have different theories about why there seems to be no physical or concrete evidence like bones or fossils proving the existence of Bigfoots. 
So, some people think that Bigfoot is an extraterrestrial creature with cloaking abilities or some oh, other shit. sort of characteristic that makes them impossible to capture dead or alive. And others think that, cre- that Bigfoot creatures have paranormal roots and that they have the ability to access special portals <gasps> that whisk them away oh once they've been spotted. The ether. Oh yeah, my God. so when you said maybe there's a portal for so Bigfoot he can between the to east a different, and west coast. Yeah, a different part of the world. Yeah. He can disguise himself as a Yeti. Like, he can go into the mountains of mm-hmm. the tundra. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. I would fully <sighs> believe that Bigfoot is, like, extraterrestrial or paranormal in some yeah, way. Yeah, he's kind of like a shapeshifter in that way. Yeah, because they're clearly very elusive. Yeah. And it's just, um, as I'll discuss in a second, it's just interesting that there are, like, Bigfoot-type legends all over the world. It's not mm-hmm. like it only exists in the Pacific Northwest because there's the Yeti, as you mentioned. Um, so I don't know. It's just interesting that cultures that have existed for thousands of years have sort of the same, mm-hmm. you know, fantastical creatures or however you want to call them. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just Mystery. interesting. Across the Mystery. world, people experience the same things. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the question we all want to know is, is Bigfoot real? There's no way to know for sure, but it's interesting to note that a Bigfoot-like creature has been a part of our human folklore for centuries and centuries. So there's a famous pictograph called the Hairy Man, which was discovered at Painted Rock, which is a sandstone formation in the Sierra Nevada foothills and on the Tool River Indian Reservation. Um, about 3,000 to 4,000 years ago, Native Americans began to paint their sacred images on the alcove of this rock. And I believe now it's... I don't know if it's part of the national park system, but you can go and visit um, Painted Rock and see all of the ancient paintings that are on the sandstone wall. Mm -hmm. So the hairy man pictograph is roughly nine feet tall and six feet wide, representing a two-legged creature with its arms spread wide. And I'll share pictures of these as well. Um, He has long hair and large haunting eyes. And what makes it unusual and noteworthy (laughs) is that it seems like there is an entire... Bigfoot family painted next to the hairy man. So the pictograph shows what looks to be a Bigfoot type female and then a Bigfoot child next to the hairy man. And these paintings have been estimated to be between 500 and 1,000 years old. Oh my God. They've been around for a long time. So I'm going to show you a picture of the actual um, hairy man painting itself. And then right underneath, I'll show you a picture that like... um, what would they be called? Archaeologists or like historians Mm -hmm. have been able to examine it and sort of paint over, um, do like a recreation of Uh what it would look like in like better condition. Yeah. So this is the original painting and keep in mind, this is nine feet tall. (gasps) Like this is huge. Oh my God. And so then below you can see there's the hairy man on the right. And then there's like that's supposed to be the, the female and the little baby and the child and then what's in the middle? I'm not sure what that is. I think it's just more like creatures, oh. but it's like pretty. There's two little ones in the background. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like pretty. It's pretty creepy. That is creepy, and they do have haunting eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my god. I know, and the fact that those are five hundred and a thousand years old. It's like, yeah. Where did this idea come from? Oh um. And according to a woman named Melba Casares, and she was quoted as saying this in 2002, so she may have passed on by now, I'm not sure, but she is or was a tribal medicine woman for the Tool River community. And she said that the hairy man is a spiritual, physical, and mental protector of the tribe, and that seeing um, a hairy man in the wild is a very powerful 
thing and is considered to be a blessing. Oh, Um, that's nice. They believe him to be a a caretaker of the recently dead who comes to take their departed souls home to the afterlife, which is really beautiful. That is really beautiful. But also, it's absolutely horrifying looking. So I don't... Like, if I was passing on, I don't know, Bigfoot would be my top choice to take me to the afterlife, but... I know. Maybe he's like a gentle giant. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Maybe it's like, um, like... Not to say Hagrid was like a giant hairy beast, but it's like the image of (laughs) of like Hagrid carrying Harry out of the forest, you know? Maybe it's something similar and just for some reason they made him look absolutely terrifying in their paintings. I can imagine like even if he's not as scary as the paintings depicted him to be, like seeing a massive hairy man in the forest is probably very scary. So they probably kind of emoted that in their painting to look scarier than it actually was. (laughs) And maybe maybe if you're being carried to the afterlife, if you want to get to like the good part of the afterlife, you need to have a big creature to protect you because I would assume I mean I don't know there might be like bad spirits or demons trying to like pull you into the darkness of the afterlife so you want to have like a big creature to shepherd you over to the good side Um, but I just thought that was really interesting because I always I never I don't know I didn't think Bigfoot was like evil Mm -hmm. but I didn't think that a Bigfoot would be like a nice creature yeah I thought he was just kind of like aloof and like he was just minding his own business, you know, and people were trying to find him. But yeah, so I, that's I, interesting. Yeah, I really appreciated reading like the history behind the hairy man, and then um, people say there have been sightings of like you know big kind of hairy creatures at Painted Rock, oh. um, and it's in California, so it's in sort of you know out west, mm-hmm. um, not like you know right near Seattle or anything where I was, but um, there have been sightings of big creatures at Painted Rock, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Um, and there are stories of similar large hairy creatures in other cultures, like we discussed earlier. So the biggest example that I found was the Yeti, which mm-hmm. we all know exists in the Himalaya mountains and is only spotted in cold, snowy climates, often at high altitudes. Um, and the Yeti is sometimes refers sometimes referred to as the abominable snowman in Western cultures. So if you've heard that term, um, but not Yeti, the two are, are interchangeable. Um, And I actually wish I had done more of a deep dive into the Yeti's story. Um, But like I said earlier, I just think it's interesting that there are two very, very similar creatures on like total opposite ends of the world. And there's no way that these communities could have like contacted each other, you know, hundreds or thousands Mm -hmm. of years ago when they were like, I don't want to say making up these stories, but like when these stories were born and the origin of these creatures were, were created or like first experienced. I just think it's cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was... Like, um, there was a story that they covered on MFM that was about this group of, like, Russian expeditionists that went hiking in the tundra out there. Uh And, like, um, they were found... Some of them, like, weren't found at all, but, like, some of them were found, like, their remains had been, like, ripped apart by something that they couldn't fathom, like... That were like animals that were native to that area. They're like, we couldn't fathom like any of them being able to do that. And like, not even like another human, you know, would be like, like theoretically come and like murder all of them. Like, they were like, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, it was a conspiracy that a, a Yeti had done that to them. Oh my God. Wait, this story sounds really familiar. You Is probably, it? it was on F- MFM. So, yeah. My favorite murder. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so I guess that one's the Yeti. If that was a Yeti, the Yeti's not as nice as Big. But <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it. No. Well, also, like in Ec- at Disney World, the Expedition Everest ride. 
It's like the Yeti. <laughs> I never rode that one. Oh, it's actually the best ride there because it goes backwards. Really? Yeah, it's oh, fun. Shit. I mean, I haven't been there in over, I don't Since over we went a decade. Se- senior year. Yeah. So like a very, very long time ago. <laughs> um, but the Yeti in that ride like rips the tracks <gasps> off oh! of the ride. And like Wait, the Yeti is not the is not the protagonist in that ride. So no. <laughs> maybe there's some truth to that the Yeti is a bit more yeah. I don't know, aggressive and Bigfoot is just kind of, you know. He's just minding his own business. Yeah. Um, well, I would also definitely be hardened by like the tundra and the cold weather. Yeah. Um, like the Pacific Northwest is very rainy, so maybe Bigfoot is just depressed. And then the Yeti is like angry because he's fucking cold all the time and it's windy and yeah. icy and it shaped yeah. his personality. Possibly. Well, <laughs> with that speculation, um, the legend of Bigfoot has completely captured the imaginations of pop culture. Um, there are countless movies about Bigfoot. There are TV shows about the unending search f- for proof and evidence of their existence. There's, I think it's called Finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet. And they're, they never find him, obviously. Yeah, sure. But they always just say things like, it smells real squatchy up here. And my mom and I will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, what does that mean? Like, what is, what do you mean? What does squatchy smell like? Um, there are books about the creature's history and there are internet forums like Reddit, et cetera, where users swap stories of sightings and encounters and different claims that they've made and they debunk theories and, you know, the internet is, is dense about Bigfoot lore. Um, I was telling Betsy before we started recording, like I did my research and then I went to go double check a couple of things on Wikipedia and the Wikipedia article was so so long and I was just like I can't I can't get into it was too overwhelming I can't get into including every single detail here in my notes so if you want to do more of a deep dive into like different sightings of Bigfoot and you know theories and stuff there's a, a plethora of information out there for you um but, you know, Bigfoot-themed merchandise litters the gift shops in the Pacific Northwest. He's, like, totally inescapable. Um, and I didn't know this, but there are even two NBA teams with Bigfoot mascots. Oh. So there was the um, – they're, they're, they, they don't exist anymore, but the Seattle Supersonics mascot, mascot was named Squatch. And <laughs> he was, that. like, a Bigfoot. And then yeah. as – I think March of 2023, the Portland Trailblazers mascot is Douglas Fur, spelled F-U-R, like the tree, but, you know, fur. And it's, like, a plaid-wearing Bigfoot-type creature. <laughs> Um, and Bigfoot was even memed as the quote social distancing champion throughout much of 2020 yes, and much of that. the pandemic. Oh, I should have worn my T-shirt today that I got from Seattle that says Bigfoot hide and seek world champion. <laughs> it's okay. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> the next time I talk about Bigfoot, you can wear it and it'll be Perfect. fine. <laughs> Um, so as somebody who likes to stay away from most people these days, I kind of consider Bigfoot to be my personal hero. Nice. And, um, (laughs) that's pretty much all I've got. Um, and there you have the legend of the iconic Bigfoot. So didn't you say when you were, I don't remember if it was in what part of, uh, Washington you were in, but they were having their Sasquatch convention. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. So that was in Forks. Oh, um, perfect. (laughs) They did. It was over Memorial Day weekend. So we were there just before their Sasquatch convention happened. Um, it was, they had like banners all over town called like Forks Sasquatch days. And so I looked it up and it's only their second annual hosting of it, but it basically just seemed like a weekend of different speakers coming to talk about their like Bigfoot 
I don't want to call it hunting, but like Bigfoot searching experience. And I really couldn't find anything else about, like there was no list of events and I have no idea how many people showed up to it. Um, But that was happening. And I, I think that sort of weekends and conventions and sort of like special events like that do happen all over the Pacific Northwest. Probably they probably do better in slightly bigger towns or cities. Um, But yeah, they said they, some of the banners said stuff like welcome squatchers. Oh my God. (laughs) It's like, well, that kind of works because it's like you're watching. Yeah. Oh, you are squatching. Yeah. (gasps) Squatching. Yeah. 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 Play on words. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we weren't there for the Sasquatch um, bonanza. But <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I think it would have been so funny to, like, yeah, to well, just wait. And to I just want to know, because there were, like, on the poster, there were, like, 15 speakers. And I'm like, what are all of these people talking about that's so different from everybody else? Oh, my God. So it would have been funny to, like, see the difference in what they were saying. Wow. But, um, yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. Oh, my <laughs> so God. Funny. Well, if it was an annual thing, it probably has garnered some success in the past. It's only their it's, second annual. Oh, so shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe the first one was pretty pretty successful then. I know. Maybe it was. But, yeah, I'm oh, sure okay. Forks, Washington, next Memorial Day weekend, you guys can put it on your calendars. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> if you are going to Olympic and you are a Twilight fan, definitely just, like, go into the Forks Visitor Center. And yeah. then you drive, like, the La Push Beach is um, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was called. Um, Rialto Beach. It was really beautiful. So, like, you know, just spend some time there if you can. It was fun. Yeah. I want to go at some point in my life. You'll well, I go. have to get back to the Pacific Northwest anyway. I have been wanting to, like, start exploring national parks more often than I have been, mm-hmm. especially out west. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's nothing different breed out there, you know. There's nothing like Yellowstone. No, it's like it's just the <laughs> best. <laughs> yeah, and I could see that just from the pictures. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, well, there you have it, folks. The story of Bigfoot. So this takes us to this week's paranormal protection tip of the week. So this week, we're going to teach you a little bit more about crystals and crystals that you can specifically use for protection. Yes. Betsy is very big into crystals. I think she did her crystal D. De- you did her, your crystal debrief like a couple episodes ago. When right? I was talking about my witchy era. Yeah, exactly. I didn't talk specifically about the crystals I have, oh, but I actually, okay. I don't think I have any of the protection ones that we're about to talk about right now. Mm, we got to so get, I gotta get some. I got to get some obsidian, I think. For sure. Okay, so Betsy listed out three crystals that are really good for protection, so I'm just going to give you a little rundown on each of them. So first we have Tiger's Eye, which provides protection and gentle grounding, facilitates clear business decisions, and aids in understanding core issues that block flow of abundance. Next, we have Black Obsidian, which is a powerful cleanser of psychic smog created within your aura and is a strong psychic protection stone. And then finally, we have citrine, which cleans, cleanses energy and transmutes it into positive energy, blocks neg- negative energy, expansive energy, and increases mental clarity and concentration. I mean, those all sound great to me. Yeah. It's, all, it's mostly like, you know, psychic and uh, mental protection mm-hmm. versus physical protection. If you want to do that, salt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Excellent. crystals are very good for your aura. So, and do you think with these ones, would you 
do you know if these are the kind that you would like carry in your bag with you, like keep them on your person or could you just leave them in your apartment or does it not matter? So I know specifically for Black Obsidian, people often use them like in their little altar, like when they're doing rituals of Mm -hmm. some sort, whether it be new moon ritual, full moon ritual, it's just kind of, or like, it's kind of like to help to ground you a little Mm -hmm. bit before you start doing those types of things so that you can really focus and like block out negative energy. Nice. Look at me sounding like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, we're barely qualified (laughs) to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But before we wrap up, I did want to talk a little bit more, you know, like on the theme of mystery things in the forest, Mm -hmm. because we've grown up, you know, along near in the vicinity of Appalachia. And recently with TikTok blowing up, all those videos were coming out about like, oh, did you hear that in the woods? No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. Did you see that in the woods? No, you didn't. And I had never heard about any of that. I hadn't either until I don't, I had to delete TikTok from my phone because I didn't want it to know me too well. But (laughs) um, I I started seeing those videos like last year and I had the same reaction. I was like, I have no idea about any of this. Yeah. Like, or like Eldritch horrors. And I think a lot of it kind of revolved around the legend of like skinwalkers and that sort of thing. Like, Are you not supposed to say the name? The real name. Oh. The real name. Okay. Okay. Good. I didn't yeah. I don't know the real name. Like the indigenous name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can say skinwalker. I think. Okay. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, there's a lot of mysterious shit in the forest. And if you like, we've watched Blair Witch Project so many times that it just makes me scared to be in the forest for too long, Mm -hmm. even though I love the forest and I'm realizing more and more the like that, how much I love trees. Yeah. Trees are very, when I was camping last weekend and hiking with my brothers, we came across this tree and like it had its like own clearing. It was very like spiritual. I loved it, but the whole entire tree had grown over this boulder. That's so cool. uh, Yeah. I need to show you the picture because we had to take, I took so many pictures of it because I was like, um, this like looks kind of like a natural altar. Whoa! Like here, that's backed up. So that's it's like crazy. In its own clearing and it that's looks small so in the picture, cool. but it was very tall. Yeah, that's Jonathan next to it. <laughs> my oh my brother. gosh, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. if you like trees, you should definitely go to Olympic because there. Well, the forest was so. We, there was like rainforest up there. It's so dense and lush, wow. and there's a. Um, Oh, I forget if it's, I think it's called the Ho Rainforest and they had a trail through an area called the Hall of Mosses and it's because <gasps> the trees are just covered and I love moss, like covered in moss and lichen oh and like, especially if it rains recently there, it just like, you feel like you're being like enveloped yeah. into the forest and it's I so beautiful. The Pacific Northwest just like has obviously very different breeds of trees and they're just so massive. And I feel like that kind of forest and also like the rainforest that I went to in Ecuador is very, I felt like I was in a fairy tale. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it does feel like fantastical. It's, it was very cool. Yeah. feels like transporting, you know, was... anyway, I love trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love um, trees. I especially love trees in the winter when they don't have any leaves and you can see all of the branches yeah. and like if it snows or if it's icy, yeah. mm-hmm. I just love looking at like the twisty, like yeah. mangled branches. Yeah, that's why I loved that one like wooded area near my old apartment because during like the fall and the winter when there was either no trees or very little trees, you could see how like spindly the mm-hmm. branches were and I yeah. oh, it was so spooky, I know. Feels, especially at um, dusk. Yeah, it's, it's mm. so cool looking. Um, but with that... 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this sort of mini episode and make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at DFWG podcast. And if you feel inclined, you can join our our Patreon at patreon.com slash DFWG podcast. Shout out to our patrons, Brittany, Nikki, Jeremiah, and Katie. Um, And then make sure to send your encounters to our email, dfwgpodcast at gmail.com. And also be sure to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple because it really helps us out. And with that, remember to keep a clear mind. And always stay away from Ouija boards. Bye, guys. Bye.